Who loves a movie with a, with a clear, decisive ending where you know what happens when it's done? It doesn't leave you hanging. Anybody like those kind of movies? Yeah. Uh, how, how about those movies that uh, there's a cliffhanger, but there's a sequel? Uh, maybe like uh, the uh, Star Wars Empire Strike, Strikes Back. There was, uh, there was some things that we didn't know, and then three years later, you got to find out. Are you guys okay with those kind of movies? Maybe the Avengers Infinity War? Took like a year to figure out what was going to happen to all those people. Um, what, what, about, what about those movies that they end and there's no sequel and there's no follow-up and you have no idea what, what the ending really meant? Uh, movies like, uh, and I'm not promoting these movies, but they're usually suspenseful movies like Inception or Shutter Island or The Shining, even a little older movie. You, just, you watch that and you have no idea like, wait, was, were they alive or not? Or was it a dream? You just don't know. I don't think in our human nature we usually like those kind of movies. Our favorite Bible stories are the stories that there's a clear winner, the good guy wins, like Moses leading the Israelites through the Red Sea and the Egyptians don't make it through. You know that they, they're good. And uh, uh, Samson gets the justice that he wants. And, and David takes down Goliath and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. We like these stories because we, we see who wins. And it's fun to see that stuff. Uh, the, uh, the, the best stories are just like that. And, and today, we have a story like that that gets special attention. The, the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus. We, we know who the winner is in this. It's such a powerful story. It's, it's huge. I mean, we, should, we celebrate this every week, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that we could read and we could celebrate, but this is the biggest of them all, that, that Jesus had died and, and then he, he rose, just like he said he was going to do. It's such a powerful ending. When you read through the Gospels, you, you see this, except in the book of Mark, except in the Gospel of Mark. We've been going through the book of Mark for the entire year uh, up to this point, and, and Mark chapter 16 is the last chapter, and we're finally here, and you think, okay, it's been leading all up to this, and it's kind of a, kind of a letdown, if you really think about it, the last, the last verse here. Preachers don't usually use the book of Mark uh, for this very reason. See, Jesus had died on the cross. He had been buried in, in, the, in, in the ground, for, in the tomb for two days, two nights, I mean. And then on the third, the third day, on the morning of the third, third day, three women came to embalm Jesus. They were not expecting Jesus to be alive. They wouldn't have went and bought spices had they thought that he was alive. This was a big surprise. The people closest to him had no idea. We would expect Mark to write about this powerful ending. I mean, this is, this is big stuff here. So you think Mark's going to write a lot about it. But instead, I want you to listen to the last verse of Mark's gospel. And it's actually verse 8. We're going to have it up on the screen. And I'll tell you, there, there are other things written after that. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute here. But it, Mark, Mark finished with this. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, this is good news. This is the best possible news. And you read that and you see the words trembling, bewildered. They were afraid. They fled. That wording doesn't sound so right to us in our human nature. I don't think that's what we want to be left with. And so the ending is so not right. People have been trying to fix it for a long time. Some people have decided that Mark's real ending was it was lost? Maybe it was ripped off from the manuscript um, or, or from the uh, from the original writing that it just got lost. 
And so over time, people have, have they've decided to, to write new endings. And you, you might have one in your, in your Bible if you have a, a paper Bible. Um, but there's always a line before verses 9 through 20 that says something like, the most reliable early manuscripts do not have these verses. Most Bible scholars believe that verses 9 to 20 were written maybe three to 400 years later. Uh, author Lamar Williamson addressed this. He said, when is an ending not the end? When a dead man rises from the tomb. Mark's ending is no end. Only the reader can bring closure. We must decide how the story should come out. And so how should this story go? How should the story end? We're going to go back, and I'm going to read the rest of the verses, verses 1 through 6 here in a second, and, and look at why we don't have to be afraid as those women were. So Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1, it says this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. All right, so they go into the tomb. Uh, and, and think about this. I, I want to play this out a little bit. Imagine that there's a, a little cave. And, and on the back of the cave, you're expecting to find a corpse. They were expecting to find Jesus dead body laying there, and they were going to embalm him. And so they walk into this cave, this, the three women, and, and over, over sitting down was a person awake, alive. It wasn't Jesus. It was a man. Other, uh, other recordings say it was an angel. And, and so it, what are you going to do when you walk into a cave looking for a deceased person and someone sitting there? You're going <gasps> to, Right? You're going to jump. All of us would react the same way. And so the, the man or the angel says, don't be alarmed. <laughs> yeah, easy for you to say. That's, that's what we do. That's in our human nature. We get scared, we jump, we react. So I want to I try to spell this out a little bit more and show you what I think probably what it looked like. Uh, let's go ahead and watch this video. <laughs> There's a person under his desk. How about that? I had to show it. You know, he's leaving, so we're going to embarrass him as much as we can. It was me. You're right. I should have said, don't be alarmed. No, that, that's what we do when we're scared. I just really wanted to show that video, and it felt like the right time. But the angel, the angel there, he's sitting there, and and, you know, they come in and they're scared. And he says, don't be alarmed. And he explains what happens, what's going to happen next. Um, this is the biggest turning point in human history. I mean, it really is. Think about everything that's led up to this. I mean, not just in, in our Bible, the accounts, but history leading up to this. But so many people have looked for, for God to come, for the Messiah, for, uh, for something to make sense in the world. And finally it does, and then, and then Jesus dies. And, and so then we get to this point. Well, wait a second. It's kind of a big twist. 
What does it mean? What does all this mean? What does it mean when, when a man dead and buried for two nights is, is alive? What does it mean when the risen Jesus was so strong that neither the cross nor the tombstone could hold him back? I don't have to tell you what it means. Fortunately, Mark does leave us with a little bit more, and we're going to really focus on this verse the rest of the morning. It's, it's verse 7, and it's right before they left terrified, but it says this. But the, the angel or the man said, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, I want to pull these big two ideas out of here. These ideas are, are why the resurrection matters to you and to me so much. The first one is, is this, he is going ahead of you. That, that's really important because soon after, Jesus would appear to many people. If he was just gone, then they would say, well, he, you know, his, someone stole his body. Uh, but it's important because he was going ahead of them, and they would see him again. And he appeared to, to them and to many others. It's also important because it takes out the guesswork. I, I, I don't believe that there's one specific way to follow, but we have to follow the leader. We have to follow Jesus. Uh, we make the idea of following Jesus so difficult. Like, I want to be a good Christian. I want to follow him, but I don't know how. Well, I, I find that hard to believe because we follow so many people. We follow, we follow um, people. We follow books. We follow uh, social media accounts. I mean, really, what we're doing is following worldviews and philosophies daily, and we say, well, I don't, know, I don't know how to follow Jesus. How many people are you following? Uh, how many people do you read daily, or, or you watch their show daily, or you uh, follow their, their Instagram account? See, what we do when we follow is very simple. We, we intentionally watch someone, we learn something, and then we imitate if we choose. Jesus went ahead. He led through teaching and by the example on the cross. It's as simple as reading about his life, learning, and choosing to imitate if we want. I know that there is some, there is some challenge to that. It feels like we're guessing sometimes on who we should follow, who are the good leaders. There's a book called Immeasurable by Sky Jethini, and, and uh, he writes this. He says, compare two leaders. Leader A lifted an entire nation in a time of despair. He mobilized his people against unimaginable odds with a clear vision and inspiring passion. He launched a movement that has impacted literally everyone alive today. He set in motion an, an industrial and scientific revolution that produced the first computer, the first jet airplane, began human exploration of space, and unlocked the mystery of nuclear energy. Almost every aspect of mo the modern world has, in one way or another, been influenced by this man. By the time he died at the age of 56, everyone on the planet knew his name. Without a doubt, Leader A changed the world. Leader B lived during the same era. In fact, he died just 21 days before Leader A, but his life was very different. At the height of influence, Leader B ran a school with just 100 students. He wrote a few books, but was not widely regarded. He was beloved by his friends and family and had a reputation for being both intelligent and faithful. But at the time of his death, almost no one knew his name and most considered his life's work unfulfilled, including Leader B himself. And so who would you choose to follow? Would you, if you went to a conference and, and you could hear Leader A speak, or you could go to the little workshop uh, that's like back by uh, the bathroom that no one can find and listen to Leader B talk, which one would you choose? I think it's pretty obvious. But if we chose Leader A, 
we would have chosen Adolf Hitler. If we chose Leader B, we would have chose, chosen Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who was executed by the Nazis just 21 days before Hitler died for his relentless opposition to Hitler. And so when I, when I see that and I think, man, who am I supposed to follow? Who, whose advice should I listen to? How do I know how this is going to play out? We don't always know the outcome. What if we could follow a leader who proved to be trustworthy? This is what Jesus did. And this is what this, this verse, what this leads us to with the resurrection of why we know we can follow him. The second phrase of verse 7, he says this, uh, the angel said, just as he told you. See, before Jesus had died in Mark chapter 14, 28, it's, it was recorded. Jesus said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. That's just what he did. See, Jesus proved trustworthy in the details. The things that we, I don't really know uh, if, if he meant that or not. When you look ahead at what he said, or you look back at what he said, and then you look how it played out, it played out just how he said it. So then at that point, everything that he had set up to that point now carried a lot more weight. Now people thought, we can trust him. Even death couldn't stop him. And so the resurrection didn't just give them hope, it also gave them direction. Those statements made sense of everything from the past into the future. He proved faithful from the past, so now they're like, well, we can trust him in the future. And if, and if we believe the same thing, if we believe that we can trust him from the past, that he was faithful, um, and, and that we can trust him in the future... I believe we all have what we need to endure the present. Sometimes it's challenging. So why did Mark stop at verse 8? Why didn't he just keep going? Other gospel writers kept going. It leaves us an option. It leaves the reader, whether it was someone in the, uh, in the early church or us today, it leaves us an option, even in fear, even in hard times. Does Jesus conquering death change how we respond to the world around us. Followers of Jesus have been writing the end of Mark's gospel for 2,000 years. See, shortly after this account, the disciples started to put things together. They remember Jesus' words about the temple being rebuilt, about him rising from the grave, about his kingdom, and then the early church took off. And because of Jesus' resurrection, all of this made sense to the eyewitnesses. Without the resurrection, it's done. You know, oh, this, this man said he was a prophet. This man said he was God, and then he dies. Well, okay, that was nice. It was a good leader to follow when he was here. But because of the resurrection, then these people start following him because they believed it. And, and the, the disciples, think about, there's 12, 12 disciples, and, and Judas betrayed him, and then you have the 11 others, and John was exiled onto an island. But the other 10 died for a leader, 30 to maybe 50 years is, is the closest estimates I could find after Jesus had died. If you follow a leader 30 years later, you're still not going to be willing to die for him. Jesus would have been a liar if he didn't raise from the dead. But instead, these guys who, who followed him and they heard him say that he was God and that he was going to rise again, he did it. And so he proved trustworthy in such a big way. He is risen. And when we consider what that means, even the most powerful force, death, has no power over Jesus, he proved to be a leader worth following. And so what do we, how do we follow? I said earlier, you listen, you learn, you imitate. A lot of times we think, well, we just need to read the Bible and then we're good. But I think about, uh, are there any baseball fans 
in the, you like Major League Baseball, maybe. Uh, I know it was a close one. A lot of people stopped being fans if they didn't get the season going with the lockout. But they did, though. They came through. But if you think about, like, a baseball player, a, a young kid, say a, a shortstop. Well, a shortstop can read books by Ozzie Smith. The, you know, he's, he's the best. You know, the Cardinals fans know that. Um, but, uh, sorry, Cubs fans. But you, read, you could read a book. Uh, you could be coached really well. You could watch videos on how to field a ground ball. But the truth is the shortstop, the little kid's not going to be good if he doesn't go practice, if he doesn't get a feel for when to, when to take the ball off the hop or, or when to charge in a little bit more or when to lean towards second base on the double play. The only way that's going to happen is if we, if we practice. And so the same thing for Christianity. If, if we want to follow Jesus, we can't just read the words, but we have to hear what he says and then say, oh, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to put this into practice and see what happens. And, and I think at that point, I think that's what the early church did. They said, well, he did that, so I'm going to do it. And then you start to, to see how, oh, well, he was right. This did work out. This is a good idea. That's how we grow in our faith. Well, in just a, a few moments, we're going to take communion together. This is open to all believers, whether you're a member here or not. Um, and so you'll have a chance to, the, the ushers will dismiss row at a time to take communion, to leave an offering if you want. And on the, I didn't bring the program up, those communication cards, if you just want to share that you were here with us, if you'd like us to pray for you for anything, if you want someone to contact you, if you would uh, use that, that for that uh, and put that in the offering plate up here. But we're brought into this amazing story. Following Jesus it starts now, but it never ends. That's the best part of this, this, this leader who we're following. And so we take communion every week as a reminder that Jesus paid the price for you. you. You and I had no hope. In our sin, we were condemned to an eternity in hell, an eternity apart from Jesus. But when we place our faith in him, when we trust him as our savior and our leader, then that changes. For all who, who call Jesus Lord and Savior... He says this in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, or take you to be with me that you also may be, may be where I am. Once again, Jesus is going ahead. He's leading the way and he's doing it for you. And we can trust him because he proved faithful in, in every other way. He's led us straight out of the tomb into heaven. And because of that, we have the same hope. Maybe you're at a point in life where uh, you realize that you don't have it all together. You're separated from God and, and you're not worthy of being saved. You don't feel that you are worthy, neither am I. We're all in the same boat. And, and we were separated. We need direction. We need hope. And so I want to give you a, a chance to make a decision today. If you would be willing to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he will forgive you. You may not feel like it. Uh, he, he would forgive you, maybe. He wouldn't forgive me. No, he, he would forgive you. That's what he does. He'll give you new life. This is, a, this is a promise that he made. The sacrifice on the cross was a big deal. But the power we see through him, him raising from the dead. And so this morning, actually, and uh, I just want to share with first service here uh, because uh, you, you won't see it. Maybe next week, I think we're going to try to record it. Uh, but we have some people who have, who have made the decision. 
there are going to be a couple people here who are going to be baptized. And they'll go under the water, which symbolizes uh, the death of their old life, and be raised out of the water, symbolizing the new life with Jesus. And so if you're thinking you want to do the same thing, uh, please come talk to me or mark it on your communication card and put it in the offering plates. This is not the last step. It's not the end. But this is the commitment and the decision to accept this gift that you're saying, I, I can't do it myself. He's done it for me. And because of that, I would like to accept that and to follow him. Let's pray. Father, you have proven faithful to us. And this morning, we, we remember that. Uh, we thank you so much for uh, what you did by sending Jesus to die on the cross uh, for our sins. But this morning, we, we, we don't dwell on that as much because, because we see new life. We see hope. Uh, we see the, 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 the light. And, and so I pray that you would help us in the darkness around us, uh, in the darkness in our, in our families, in, in our work, uh, even in our, in our own hearts, uh, to think that that's not where it stops, that this guilt uh, and the shame, uh, anything that we've done, you will forgive us. So we thank you for that. Father, we praise you, uh, we love you, and we know this is all about you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.